Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Begin With The End with myself, Mike and Jeff. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm good, thanks, Mike. How are you? Not too bad. Today, we're joined by a very special guest. He is a brother from another mother, Riaz, aka DJ Styles UK. How are you doing, Ri? Hey, how are you guys doing? I'm good. All good, all good. Thank, thanks for joining us again, DJ Styles UK. No problem, uh, brother. I say again, because... Uh, we, we've actually spoken to you before, but this was like before. When, when you guys first uh, started out? Yeah, yeah. When we were kind of just practicing and sort of Learning. finding our way and confidence in, in speaking on the podcast. So, yeah. yeah you guys massive are, thanks to you again for, for no doing problem. that. You guys, you guys are doing a really good job, by the way. I've heard some of your podcast and yeah, it sounds really, really good. Cheers, man. Appreciate it. So, Riaz is a DJ known as DJ Styles UK. And being of Guyanese descent, he is heavily influenced by the West Indian culture. So he plays a wide range of styles, um, primarily soca, chutney, dancehall. But he's known to play all other genres too, depending on the event. So yeah, like as Mike said, obviously you've been in music and, you know, the genres that you, like you specialise in, I mean, really big in the, I'd say, in that West Indian culture scene. Can you talk us a bit more about what else you do and other than music? Because I know before you were talking about actually um, being an executive producer. Is that something you're still doing? Yeah. I mean, everything everything I do in my hobby is it relates to music. So I have a strong passion for music ever since I was at a young age. Uh, my dad was actually um, a radio host. And he held cultural events in London. So at a young age, I've always been involved in that kind of scene. So, yeah, I literally for about, how long now? About over 15 years, I've been a DJ. Uh, I've been writing music. I've been remixing. Uh, recently, I've been started hold, holding events. And yeah, as you said, executive producer, that's something that I've, I've touched on a few years ago. And I've literally recently come back to it. So, yeah, that's that's that's. Yeah, that's me all in one, basically. <laughs> yeah. And like in terms of um you said so you, you said like it's it's come from roots, like it's been uh something that you've grown up uh around with your dad being a radio host. Yeah. Um let, let's talk about more about your culture then. So obviously Mike's already said that you're from Guyana and you know you've you've grown up in a West Indian household what was it like growing up like have you got any siblings how big's your family so my family over here, i have, have one sibling her older sister my family over here is very very small um we're actually indo-caribbean uh, from guyana not a lot of people know what indo-caribbean people are basically so we originate from india so we have the indian roots uh we were brought over to the caribbean as laborers so yeah we are actually indo-caribbean from from Guyana, you get Indo-Caribbean people in Jamaica, Trinidad, all over the Caribbean. So, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting because I. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did. I didn't actually know that myself. I'm just me generally when it comes to like things like culture and geographic geographical knowledge. It's like that's yeah. one of my um, pet peeves. I'm really shit at it. Excuse my French. Um, I hardly even know. Well, I know a bit about my own culture, but. Not as much as I should know, but yeah, yeah. thanks thanks for insight. I I actually saw because I I think yeah. I remember following you on Instagram and um I came across a recent story and it was that that there was like this poet and she she gave us she had like a really nice poet, I forgot her name. Yeah, it is about Jamaica, right? Yeah, it was about Jamaica, about Jamaica? Jamaican Indians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
So, yeah, so, so basically, every time I, like, just the other day, uh, two days ago, I was explaining this to somebody. Somebody, I was at a course for work, and they said, where about are you from? I'm like, I'm, I'm actually from South America, um, um, a place called Guyana, which is, in, which is classed as the Caribbean. And they were like, really? But you look Bangladeshi or you look Sri Lankan. I was like, no, I'm actually Indo-Caribbean. They were like, I've never heard of that. And then, obviously, I gave them the history, and they were like, wow. So it's good to educate people people that don't really know about the Caribbean and the history and stuff like that. So, yeah, I like wowing people of where I'm from and the history about it as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and especially Guyana is one of those countries that not people, many people are aware of the culture and the history. And Or at least not in, not in like, London. Or- we're right near Brazil, to be honest with you. Not that people that don't know about their geography, we're right near Brazil. So, yeah, just literally on the border. So what decade did your parents come to the UK? Oh, my parents came uh, probably about 50 years ago. My dad came here first uh, and then went back home and brought my mum. So my dad, yeah, my dad was, he came here about 50 years ago. So in the 70s? Wow. Yeah, in the 70s, yeah. I think that's, yeah. I that's think so, anyway. I need, I need to confirm that. Yeah, around the 70s he came. I think that's where most of um, the Caribbean people came over here anyway. To start a better life and stuff that so yeah around the 70s and was it always was it they migrate to east london first or did they start in another area i think in my dad would live in in north london i believe so and then he moved to east london and yeah we've had we've had a, a property in east london for all my oh. life basically and all my yeah so we've literally born and bred east london E13. Big up, big up E13. Last though. So that's how I actually met Riaz. So there's a school we all are aware of called Lister School. And my mum was a nursery teacher, which is where she met Riaz's mum, my auntie. And so, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He says that my auntie. Believe it or not, when Michael comes to my house, my mom looks after. I always tell people this: she looks after him more than she looks after me. For my <laughs> birthday, for my birthday, what did she ask you, Mike? Like, what do you want to eat? Like, what dinner? What type of food do you want? <laughs> On my birthday, she asked Mike, "What kind of food does he want to eat?" <laughs> I'm like, right, okay. Cool. And then I think you said, "Oh, do you want to get him a birthday cake as well, or something?" <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, mate. I love you. Yeah, your mum has always looked out for me, and you know I can never repay her for that. And I think my mum always has a soft spot for Mike. He's like he's like her third child, so she always she's always looking out for Mike. Oh, well, he did say brother from another mother. That's right, man. That's right. Have usurped your um, number one son from your mum, and she's only got one as well. So, don't make me start telling you stories when you were little. No, <laughs> me and Jeff we'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> so you went to school. What time was this around? Like the mid nineties or noughties? Yeah, the nineties, the mid nineties. So growing up around the local area, so you started in primary school and then on to Lister. Did you have many other Indo-Caribbean students with you at the time, like that related to the culture and the upbringing that you had? This is a very good question. Um, growing up in East London. And going to Lister School, it was um, a lot of Asian, a lot of Asian, um, uh, Pakistani, Bengali. I'm, as I said, I'm Indo-Caribbean. So a lot of people didn't understand my background, understand me. 
uh, to be honest, I was quite young. I didn't understand myself neither. So I didn't really speak the language um, of Hindi, Bangladeshi and stuff like that. So a lot of kids were confused. So I wasn't really accepted by the Asian kids and I wasn't really accepted by the Caribbean kids. You understand? No. So it, was very, it was very, very hard growing up as a kid in East London because I didn't speak the language. When they speak, spoke in their language, I didn't understand what they were saying. And they were confused by me. There was, I look Asian, but why can't I speak the language? You understand? And the Caribbean kids, obviously, I look Asian, so I can't be from the Caribbean. So I was kind of stuck in the middle. So, yeah, I, 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 saw, my, I saw myself as an outcast. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure other kids did also as well. So it was quite difficult growing up like that. How did you find your identity having that culture clash and the non-acceptance between both groups? Who were your friends and did they... My, you know what? The friends that I found was literally um, the friends I have now. People, some, There were a few people that accepted me for who I was and what I was, which is Indo-Caribbean. And because, as you know, a lot of Asian people, they stick together. They, 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 they don't come out of their circle. So the few people that did accept me, I'm still friends with them now. And that was, that was like the white kids, um, some of the Filipino kids. And yeah. Yeah, that must have been tough, like feeling kind of alienated from... from... 100% bro. from the other cultures um but like yeah, was, people... don't, don't, don't get me wrong there were some asian kids that i'm still friends with now that that they didn't give, they, they didn't really care you understand they like me for who i was so oh, that's good you understand so yeah i mean don't get don't get it wrong but obviously i did feel a bit of out of place in certain groups of people but yeah i think it's yeah so that's that's quite a for you that culturally that's quite a niche because even with you jeff growing up in bonds and primary school you you tend to, like you said Riaz as well that people tend to stick to their own 100 bro um, yeah they do i've especially even with our own culture like filipinos and well being half filipino myself i felt they not being accepted by that crowd too so really? i can relate to an extent yeah i mean i, I remember when i used to see because you're just only a couple years ahead of me in um, yes. secondary school and i remember um yeah i remember you weren't really part of that whole Fili filipino community i used to see you've like Asian friends and you know the white the white guys like um yeah uh, my group of friends were very much like uh advert for United Colours of Bennett and we were just <laughs> diverse uh, and that's one great thing about East London I'll definitely say is that we we don't it doesn't matter really um what our ethnicity is we all just it's a boiling pot basically yeah it's very diverse so we just learn to get along anyway so Let's bring it back to um, school because um, me and Mike went to a single set school, so we went to all, all boys school. And I remember, I think Lister's mixed, right? Lister is mixed, yes, yes, it is. How was that? How was that growing up? And um... to be honest, it's, it's it's normal for me, I guess. I mean, because I have never been to all boys school, so growing up in a mixed school, uh, going to a mixed school, it was normal for me. So tell us now. Some embarrassing stories about when he was in secondary school because we love to ask our guests. Some embarrassing stories. One of those no. memorable moments where you wish never happened in school. Like the one that changed your life. The one that changed my life. I don't really oh. have many stories in school. What, what embarrassing stories? You know, back in the day, right, when you used to dye the tips of your hair, like that, that, that brown colour, the tips, no? Yeah, like... Yeah, uh, I swear Filipino was, was known for it as well. Filipino. Yeah, we were known for dyeing our hair. It's like a proper 90s thing, isn't it? 
yeah, die, so, die kind of the highlights. Yeah, the, highlights, yeah, the like highlights, that's what it's called. So I've done that one time and I remember it was a hot day and I was sweating and it all just dripped out of my hair. Oh. <laughs> with, 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 with the gel as well. Because I, I used to wear a shitload of gel in my hair, innit? Like, like it's be crazy. Yeah. So I, yeah, sweating, all that mixed with the gel all running down my face. And yeah, it wasn't really nice to be honest. All over my clothes, we had a white shirt. So yeah. Yeah, we, we um, definitely looked like a... Indo-Caribbean Peter Rondre styley hairstyles all the time. Curtains. Oh, that was a style then, bro. That was a style. Like, like the curtains. I had curtains. I had long yeah. curtains. And that was a style, though. I swear you had some as well, Mike. Didn't you? Yeah, definitely. Did you have it, Jeff? Yeah. Curtains. Curtains? Um, No, not really. We had, like, just, like, I just used to spike my hair up normally. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember Mike having curtains. I remember him having um cornrows. No, can you Yeah, Mike and his corner. Have you still got a picture of them, that, Mike? It's not about me. We're talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your favorite subjects in school? My favorite subject in school was music. Uh, I literally, I remember this one time I, I used to bunk school a lot. So, I bunked all morning and then I, I, so I jumped over the fence uh, after my first subject, which was, I think it was P or drama or some crap like that. Uh, after my first subject, me and my friends, we we jumped the fence and we were chilling out. I jumped back in school by myself to go to my music lesson and I just, and I jumped back after. So I literally loved music <laughs> so much that I bunked all my other lessons, but I jumped back in school. I went back to school for my music lesson and then I bunked after again. How old, so, what year were you in doing that? Was that in GCSE times or? I was in GCSE, well, when I bunked or when I was doing music? But when you were bunking, but going back into the music, that was I think that was in year nine, year nine, nine okay. ten. Why didn't you guys bunk ever? I like, did like maybe once. I think you know there was a time when I was in year six. I remember I went to a school called Scott Wilkie. I hated it, and I used to hide. I had a bunk bed with a wardrobe underneath it. So what I would do is I'll hide in there from like eight till nine in the morning, and then wait till my mum and stepdad left the house. And then I'll leave the bunk bed wardrobe. And then one time I got a bus to Ilford. But my school classroom were on the bus before me. And their bus broke down. Oh, and all okay. my teacher and the students in my classroom came on my bus. And they're like, where are you going? What did the teacher say? Yeah, I, I got, uh, yeah, they wrote my mum a letter, basically. To be honest, I, I, I think I followed follow the crowd um, more or less. Um, so yeah, I was bunking. Um, not often though, just just once or twice. Well, it was lucky you live around the corner to school, right? And that's the thing. Everyone came to my house because my sister went. <laughs> to school. She went to college. I think she was. Yeah, she was at college. My mum was at work, so everyone went to come out my house. So yeah, we had a party at my house. I remember my sister f- came home early, and she locked the door so we couldn't get out. You 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 know my sister. She she's quite she's quite like militant. Like she's quite like a mum in it. So so she used to tell us off and everything. So, oh mad. Yeah. So it came from my, she came. Were you at those parties, Mike? No, no, no. I wasn't. Do you know what? I think at that age, Riaz didn't want to. I was annoying the annoying little shit that came to the house. So he, <laughs> no, you wasn't actually. You wasn't. It's just you were so young. Like how 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 could we communicate? Like we we didn't have mobiles. You didn't have a mobile then. So how could we communicate? Um, 
to meet up and to link up and stuff. Plus, we were no, really, no, I, really I just remember good. times that, that when I used to come around and I wanted to play your Mega Drive and you never would let me, even though you didn't want to play it yourself. And I just thought that was a bit of a, a dick move. But even even now, every single day you have to drive my car. I said no. <laughs> same yeah. thing, isn't it? The same thing. Like Basically, then, not, age, nothing's changed. At, at that age, like my Mega Drive was equivalent to my car. It's, it's it, it was worth a lot to me. You understand? Like my car's worth a lot to me. So yeah, so I wouldn't let you drive my car now, even though you asked a million times. That's uh, you sound like you had a fun time during. Uh, apart from you know feeling alone. Sounds like you had a, a few good days. <laughs> yeah, a few Apart good from days being too. alone, depressed, and, and neglected, yeah, I had a fun time at school. Yeah, bunking, bunking off school uh, during your your adolescence. What yes, about like did. when you went to um, like higher education? So did you go university or did you go college? Or... Oh no! So, so you know what you know what what it is like. I wasn't. I, I couldn't sit down in a classroom and learn. I, I can't do that. I can't, you can't sit me in a, even to now, like when I go on courses for work, I can't sit down in a classroom and learn. I don't learn like that. I, I'm more of a hands-on kind of guy. So I didn't really do well in my GCSE. GCSE. I mean, I got, I think I got an A for music. Um, e. And that's A for music. Oh. Um, and that's probably the highest grade I got, to be honest with you. Um, I got like a C for maths, a C for English, I believe. But I, 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 I decided I, I want to get a job. I wanted to get out of here and get a job. I did go to to, to college. Um, I studied leisure and tourism for some strange reason. Um, I don't know why I did that. I, I left off for a year. And then I got a job. Um, my sister actually got me a job in in um, Selfridges at the age oh, of... Nice. I was like 16. Yeah, it was, it was Miss Selfridge inside Selfridges. So I was working in Miss Selfridge in Selfridges. Um, so that was quite... My, my sister was actually my supervisor. So that was quite an experience. And I still oh. had the curtains as well. I still had like the shitload of gel in my hair and, a curtain. <laughs> and, and oh, glasses really? and glasses at that point as well. So I look I looked a bit Yeah, really. <laughs> no, um tell the listeners what you wore for the interview. <laughs> I wanna know. What do you mean what I wore for the interview? How do you know what I wore for the interview? Charles, you told me like a few weeks ago. <laughs> no, you're lying, is she? Yeah. Come on, more <laughs> Listen, right. The star back then. But you mean Neo? Star. Neo the... is the one that had the cut, the hair. No, no no no, 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 no. Let Morpheus talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, say no more. Say no more. But what you have to understand, what you have to understand, is that the dress sense back then was different to how it is now, right? Like the hairstyle. I had curtains. You, you wouldn't really rock curtains now, would you? Um. It's coming back. I've seen like yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I say that lightly, but yeah, like you wouldn't see every day so having curtains as a hairstyle. You wouldn't see that every day. So, <laughs> what I wore, what Michael is referring to, is um, I wore like a, a three-quarter length long leather jacket. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I mean, I thought I was. Um, <laughs> I thought I was cool back in the day, you know, wearing that jacket. I thought, yeah, you know, but you know, it was a style. It was a style, right, Mike? I think. I don't know. I it if it was summertime, you definitely would not be cool in that jacket. Well, no, it wasn't. It was definitely it was summertime. I don't think I'll wear that jacket in the summertime. But um... man's, man's not hot though. <laughs> <laughs> so had to fit that in there. So yeah, I wore like I think I wore a black shirt, like black trousers, shoes, and uh, a, a long three-quarter length 
leather so jacket. Black, literally, like you look like you just came out of the crow movie with glasses. Did you have like the yeah? So you had the sunglasses as well. No, no, no sunglasses. I had normal glasses, oh, okay. big round glasses. Uh, my hair was like full of gel, and um, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was literally dressed. I like mean, as Michael you got the job, so it must that outfit must have worked. Must have been on the trend. My sister was a supervisor, so I had to get the job, really, didn't I? Oh, yeah, fair enough. If I didn't get the job, but like, that's so I, I thought I was quite cool back in the day, innit? So I don't get I... Jeff, it's that? like, that's quite mad that you two both work for Arcadia with the help. Oh, of... yeah, that's actually really funny that you've mentioned that because I've only, that's, only just come, that's only just come back to my mind. So, my first job, like you, um, it was in Arcadia, but I, I went to Topman. Oh, um, I used to work in Burns as well. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah we um, I, I did a couple of shifts for Burton's because I had to like cover them when uh, uh, their staff was on holiday. Which one was it? Whereabouts? Uh, I used to work, I've been all to all the different branches, but I first started in Beckton, you know, Gallions Reach. Um, they're not open anymore, they closed like a couple of years back, but um, yeah, I started in Topman and my sister actually worked there as well. See, so, yeah, I worked, I worked in Topman with her for like a while before I started uni. Yeah, it's mad. It's mad. Do you remember but, like what you spent your when you first got your first ever pay slip? Were you like proud of yourself? Because I was. Because <laughs> I was. <laughs> and I was only part time. I was like, yeah, I did four Sunday shifts and got two hundred pounds. Yeah. Oh, what, what I spent it on? Oh, what did I spend? I don't know. I can't remember. To be honest, probably music, probably CDs. Oh, fair, fair these to burn off Kazar and LimeWire. Yep. And... Oh, yeah. LimeWire. Cool. The kids nowadays wouldn't know what we're talking about. Burning CDs. I said, so you made that decision after school to go into work. What was your next career move after Miss Selfridge? After Miss Selfridge? Um, I worked within retail for a few years. And then I got a job with Virgin Media, I believe. With Virgin Media at the age of 18, 19, and I was a tech there for a year or two. And I remember those times, all the, all the while you were DJing as well, because I remember... What you guys need to realise is that literally, like, like working a nine-to-five was secondary to me. I didn't really give a crap. I wanted to be a DJ. I wanted to be involved in music. Um, when I wasn't doing my nine-to-five... I was on my laptop, I was remixing, I was downloading music, I was making my um, music portfolio, I was liaising with other DJs, trying to get established. And yeah, Michael's right, I actually jumped on a pirate radio station at the age of 17, 18. Um, so I was heavily involved in music. If you're asking about music, I can tell you every little thing. But when it comes to like work-wise, like my nine to five, I'm... I'm, I'm I have struggled remembering. But when it comes to music, yeah, I can tell you the age of 17, I jumped on a pirate radio station. I was on there for like two, three years, uh, build up my confidence as a host, a MC, as a DJ, live on radio. Um, so yeah. So yeah, all the while I was doing my nine to five, I, I, I was heavily involved in music, in DJing, remixing. How did you get into the radio station and what did you need to do? To I remember this so clearly. Oh, yeah, I was 16. I was 16 at the time, uh, just before my 17th birthday. And <laughs> it was about 12 o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning. And I had, I had a phone that had a radio on it, I think. 
was it a phone? Yeah, a phone with radio on it. And I would listen to this DJ. I tuned into the station called Attitude FM. And um, I would listen to this DJ called Don. And I just, I was loving the tracks he was playing. And you know me, I was a little groupie texting in, yo, this sounds bad. Oh, I do some remixes. Would you, you want to hear some remixes that I do? Um, he goes, yeah, cool. Here's my email address. No, he, 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 what did he do? He sent me his number and then he said, yeah, you know what? Uh, meet me here tomorrow and give me a CD with your mixes. So I'm thinking, okay, cool. I'm like 16, 17. And I, this guy wants me to meet him in Stratford. And everyone knows back in them days, Stratford was, was ghetto. You understand? So, <clears throat> so there's me. I went to Stratford the next day, uh, burnt him a copy of all my mixes, all my remixes I did. Uh, jumped in his car. Yeah. <laughs> Um, sorry, a stranger's car, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, I know a stranger's car. And you know what? This guy was so cool. He's a Jamaican dude, right? Uh, proper, proper, proper Jamaican, proper nice guy. Um, he listened to my mix, bro, and he was so impressed. He was like, Raw, yo, this is this, this is sick, this is fire. He goes, You know what? I'm gonna play it on my show tonight. So, um, yeah, two twos now went home. Um, was waiting, was literally waiting by the radio station. We're waiting by my radio, uh, tuned in all day. And when he jumped in, like he gave me a big introduction. Yo, it's a new guy, DJ Styles. Um, got some new remixes. And when I heard my name for the first time on radio, and I heard my mixes on radio, bro, I literally I could have cried. I was so happy. I thought, wow, you know what? This is absolutely amazing. Back in the day, radio was such a big thing that that it was. I was just so excited. Imagine hearing, hey, I, I I don't know how to compare it but like it, it was such an amazing feeling hearing my remixes on radio and hearing this dj big me up and introduce me it was crazy yeah people don't realize especially a lot we're in 2021 radio back in the day when we were younger was huge that was, yeah, was. where we would consume music yeah how do you think music how do you think kano and wiley and all these mcs got got, got known if you part if it were through pirate radio stations you understand all these djs that, that are known now they're all from pirate radio stations you understand yeah. so so hearing my mix on a radio station i don't care if it was pirate it was fm based radio station where people locking in people was texting in like pulling up the track so I remember I was in my kitchen, my mom was cooking and I was like, oh, yo, I, I had such a amazing feeling and I thought, wow, this, this is amazing. And that's when I decided, yo, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to be a radio host. I want to be a DJ on radio. That's so, a cool story. Yeah. So, that, that's, so that was the first stage. So he played your song, your remixes on the radio. When did that go to the next level then when you were actually on Attitude FM? Because I remember coming with you a few times to the yeah. flat down in Dalston, Mm. so yeah when when did you manage to actually get a set so i think after i think uh, the day after or something we kept in contact me and the dj kept in contact because i kept sending the music and he kept playing them and i thought yeah cool now the next stage for me is to get on radio i want to get on radio like all right i've heard my mix on radio now i want to jump on radio <clears throat> so i think um i don't know whether i asked him or he uh, he asked me to just come in and do a set um so yeah, he, he he asked me to come in. Oh, all right, come to Stratford, this tower block, because Pirate Radio Station was in tower blocks back in the day. Um, at I think it was like 10 p.m. at night. So I thought, oh, right, okay, I'm 17. I'm gonna walk to, I don't have a car. I'm gonna walk to Stratford now um, at 10 o'clock at night in a tower block where I don't know anybody. It's about myself. Um, so I did it, I did it. I remember walking, 
down um, the high road with a bag in my hand, my CD, CDs in my hand, f- trying to find this tower block. Went up there. I think it was like the 11th, 10th floor. Walked in the room, bro. It was just a puff of cloud. It was just <laughs> loud. When I say cloud, it, it was like I couldn't see my hand in my face. And it was it was like about that eight rusters. It was mad. mad. Like it was about I'm I'm, I'm little, little old me, little Indo-Caribbean me. I'm there walking in with my little bag in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Mike. I wasn't wearing a jacket, by the way. Yeah, I wasn't wearing my um, Morpheus jacket. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, I have a bag in my hand, so. And it's a dancehall radio station. This this radio station plays dancehall. So obviously they see, see this little Indian boy thinking, yo, what is this guy going to do? He don't know about my music. He don't know about, about dancehall and reggae and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so basically the decks and the studio was in the same room as these guys. It was in like a living room. The decks and everything was tucked away in the corner. The guys was on a, on a sofa, blazing, smoking, drinking, having a good time. So I started DJing. Like I was nervous as hell. I started DJing. And I jumped on the mic. I was like, yo, um... This is DJ Styles, big up everyone locked in. And then Don, <coughs> the guy that played my remixes before, he goes, no, 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 this is how you do it. He grabbed the mic, he goes, yo, big up sexy dude, blah, 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 yo, big up everyone locked in, locked on. And then I thought, right, okay, cool. And that's what I did. I, I got my confidence from him. You know what I'm saying? So a Jamaican dude literally taught me how to host. So when I'm on the mic, when I'm DJing, um, it's the confidence that comes out. You understand? Um, mm. Yeah, so... Yeah, sorry, I, I rabbled on a bit. No, there. it's good. Do you know what? I, <laughs> That's actually like a sick story, though. Like, for you to walk into like some strangers, like in a block, and a block that you don't even in an area that you don't really know. Yeah. But, you know, you're pursuing, like, you're just going for it. Like, that's... And that, that's, that's the thing. If you want something so bad, you've got to do stuff that you don't normally do. I'm a very shy person. Believe it or not, I'm a very shy person. I'm very nervous during this interview. But if I was DJing and hosting on a radio station... I'll be confident as hell. Mm. You understand? But having an interview and having and talking one-on-one, I'm a very shy person. So music gave me that confidence when I'm DJing and when I'm hosting. So yeah, and from then, ever since he I still remember he he gave me that advice, yo, you, you gotta be confident. You gotta talk. I remember what he said, he goes, you gotta talk to the gal them, you gotta beat them up. So <laughs> so so and that's what I did, and that's what I did. And then people started falling in love with my voice. I put it on a, D- a DJ voice, and people started, I didn't even know that I was putting on a DJ voice. Uh, and people started saying, Yo, I love your voice. And then yeah, and that and that that's that's how I became a radio DJ. We can feel your passion when you're talking about it, because yeah, it's 100%. clear to for all to hear. I always remember one one story, right? Like Attitude FM we used to hold host parties as well. So <laughs> I was DJing on a station for about a month or two and Oh, you, you, you get girl flirting with you. You get a lot of people flirting with you. And they knew about this party that was happening like the next week. So a few girls saying, yo, Styles, I'm going to see you at this party. We're going to talk. And they, they didn't know what I looked like. I was at this party now. And then this girl came up to me and said, oh, where's where, where Styles? Where's DJ Styles? I was like, that's me. And she looked at me and she was in shock. She thought I was black. She, she, she thought I was a black guy on the radio. But when she saw I was an Indian dude, she thought, rah, okay, cool. And then she just walked away. Oh, man. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm like 17, 18. I'm like, right, okay. All right, cool. That's a bit embarrassing, but yeah. <laughs> but, but guys, that, that, that was just one girl, okay? There, 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 there'd be many more. That was just one girl, okay? one ignorant girl. But I mean, you've, you've DJed at, at Carnival, so I'm assuming there, there would have been more girls there, right? Yeah. And can we actually talk about that? Because that's one of the things... Like the stuff that you're doing now, it's actually... Believe that's what... it or not, right? Believe it or not, 
if I did not DJ at Carnival on a truck and have my own space, I, I tell this to everybody, I, I wouldn't go Carnival. I don't like being crowded in a space, in, in, in a jam-packed space. I like my own space. So if I wasn't actually on a truck DJing, I wouldn't go because... And I said, I like my own space. I don't like tight crowds. So I don't, I know it sounds a bit, a bit big headed, but I don't really talk to the people on the ground. I do my set. I jump on a mic and I host, I host other DJs as well. But if you want me at Carnival, I'm on top of a truck, a truck. Um, that's where you find me. So, yeah. So you've obviously, uh, you've established yourself in Attitude. Uh, you you mentioned what was his name Don 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 the man is Don that the, the guy Don the man Don the man yeah so he's giving you like the confidence oh, like what's what's the next step from there where did you go after that did you start doing like more radio stations so after, or? after Attitude FM I was on various uh, radio stations uh, Break FM was an internet radio station Deja Vu I believe I was on Conscious FM I was on so many radio stations uh, pirate radio stations but I. I wanted more. I just didn't want to be a DJ. A DJ was one aspect of my life, but like it wasn't fulfilling what I actually wanted to do. Um, I wanted to be heavily involved in music when it comes to, as I said before, uh, I even tried rapping at one time, which we're not going to go into that, but I did try rapping, which didn't really go well. Um, <laughs> uh, then I particularly became an executive producer. And Can you give us some bars? Sorry, was that? Were you laughing, Mike? Because I, I remember... <laughs> I was saying, <laughs> I, I remember me and you make a song together. You guys made a song together. But, sorry, were you yeah. laughing, Mike? I, I, me and you recorded a song together, didn't we? Do you still have it? No, well, well he, Mike is actually singing on a song, and I was actually Ooh. just um, producing Ooh. it. Can we get a feature of this on Maybe, on the it depends how this yeah. conversation goes. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what, believe it or not, right? So, so. Mike came to me with this song. No, no, I came to you with a beat, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, I'm not gonna lie, right? I still defend defend this track. It was a good track. I mean, if someone would like Usher or someone <laughs> sang it, um, <laughs> re- re- reworded some of the words, I think it would have been quite quite a big track. To be honest with you, I mean, obviously, I mean, what kind of what kind of genre was this track? R and B. R&B. The song was called Air I Breathe. Air, oh my goodness. That's very original. <laughs> very, very <laughs> I still remember the lyrics. Mike, do you remember the lyrics? Yeah, I do. Can we move, move on? <laughs> <laughs> and then my, Michael was adamant that he wanted to sing it. So we actually, I had um, I had my, had my laptop and I had a computer mic and, and we recorded it. And yeah, I mean, no one heard it apart from me, Mike, and my sister and his sister. But um, <laughs> it didn't get past that. Definitely. It didn't get past him. It didn't get past that. They were creasing. They were like, they were, they couldn't breathe. They literally couldn't breathe listening to Air I Breathe. Me, I haven't even heard it. And I'm bloody creasing <laughs> right now of the thought of you singing on a track. <laughs> but you know what? It, 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 it's, it was hilarious. It's, it's, it's so funny. But you know what? It was very creative. I, I, after that young age, I, I didn't know anything about about um, about uh, executive producing or anything like that. So it's, it's and Mike, obviously, I'm sure I don't know how many songs he wrote before, but I'm sure that was one of his best ones. Um, <laughs> the create the, the, 
<laughs> the creativeness of of that track it, 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 it was quite good it was quite creative i think it was funny as hell but it's creative i still think i still defend myself if that song was sung by um r&b artist and fine-tuned and it, it would have been quite big just stop laughing. maybe Maybe not as a single, maybe not, maybe not as a single, maybe not as a single, maybe on an album. He would have done better if he, if he didn't have you on that track. It's basically what it was. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think, I I think if like, if like Timbaland was producing it and and he had. (laughs) Basically, if it was like redone completely, it would have been all right. But um, I can hear it in my head now. It's really annoying. But thanks, thanks. For I'm me. singing the lyrics as we're talking. So, right. uh, so, so yeah, uh, no, I, start, I started dabbling uh, in in uh, in in music in uh, in um, um, executive producing. I don't know what if people know what executive producing is different to what producing is. I don't know. Do you guys know difference at all? No, I mean I remember you you mentioned this before, but um, because I know producers are the ones that make the beats. But what does what does the executive yeah, producer? Yeah, so so so. So, exe- so producers are the producers that actually make the beat. Executive producer. So basically, like uh, a few tracks I released last year. So I was executive producer. Now, I don't make beats. I, I, I. A lot of people said I should learn, but I don't want to. Um, I like the exec- executive part. So basically, I will contact a few of my producers or one of my producers. I'll con- contact one of my artists and I'll say, listen, I had this idea for a song. Um, and let's work on something. Uh, so I'll probably probably sit down with the artist and write down help write the song i'll probably sit down with the producer and help make the beat and then i'll put it together so it's kind of like like you're like um you're kind of like the showrunner of the whole project so like you piece everything together with your you know you collaborate with the others it's 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 exactly like what dj Khaled does yeah so like like what dj Khaled does dj Khaled is not a producer he don't produce beats he's an executive producer so it's exactly what he does he just shouts his name on a song every now and again you know, so DJ Khaled, a lot of people are confused about what DJ Khaled does. DJ Khaled is a executive producer. He'll have uh, producers, he'll have artists, and he'll be like, boom, let's put this together. Let's do this, let's do that. That's it. Like, yeah. Ah, okay. Nice. So that's and, um, have you any, in terms of like the projects you've been working on recently, any names that you, you could mention? I tend to work with people a lot of people know me right a lot of people know how i work i tend to work with people that are starting up in the industry there's no point i i don't want to work with big names i mean not, not, not i don't want to work with big names is that i i know how it is to start up in this industry as a dj the so the, all the setbacks that i've had and are going through at the moment uh i know how hard it is to establish yourself in the music industry so i tend to work with artists that are that are just starting out you understand? Or mm. needs a bit of help. Like, oh, I'm working with now with Sophia Flames. Um, that's one of the first tracks I released early last year, but obviously COVID hit. So the promotion for that, there's only so, there's only so much promotion you can do um, when releasing a track, when obviously during COVID, you can't go out and perform the track. You can't go to do radio interviews uh, because it's obviously we're on lockdown. So mm. the few tracks I did release last year didn't do as well as I thought it would because we couldn't promote it as much as we, as, as we could. Yeah. I mean, I'm working with artists called Sophia Flames. I work with a, another guy called uh, Coffee Brain. He is a dancehall artist. I, my music tends to be dancehall, so R&B combined. I like to combine the, all my favorite genres into one. Uh, I worked with another guy called Indian, the artist. He's had a big hit with uh, Wine For Me. 
Michael, you you know that song. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's it really. I've released how many tracks? One, two, three, four tracks last year before COVID. And my whole plan was literally during the summertime, yeah, we're gonna go out, we're gonna we're gonna um, mash up carnival, different events throughout the year. I had I had events booked throughout the year for, for, for these artists. So when COVID hit, it kind of like put a put a stop on that. So talking about the pandemic. So for the past 12 months, have you, it's given, has it given you time to reflect on how you want to push on going forward into the future? Have you changed um, any plans that you did have? A hundred percent, man. I think, I, th- I think I know there's a lot of sadness in this pandemic, right? But for me, I've literally taken time out and I've, I, I've tried to think about my future, where I want to go in, in, in regards to music. So I started on a radio station last year. Last year I started on a radio station. And I kinda I kinda didn't want to go back to the radio kind of thing. I was on there for a few months. And I'm not gonna go into too much details, but we went our separate ways. And then I thought, you know what, what do I want to do? Do I I've done radio? I've done it already. What what do I want to do? So right now, in this moment in time, I'm taking time out to figure out what I want to do, what I'm more passion in now. There's no point in me doing something if I don't have passion in it. If I don't have motivation to do something, I'm not going to do it um, 65%. Yeah. I want to do something 100%. So right now, I'm inclined to promote my Indo-Caribbean culture. Um, as, as I said before, when I was growing up, there was, no one knew what Indo-Caribbean was. So a lot of people don't know that there are Indian people in the Caribbean. Um, people don't know that there's a, a music genre called chutney, chutney soca, which actually helped create the soca genre. You understand? People don't know that. Um, I am trying to promote the Indo-Caribbean side of the Indian, of, of, of the Caribbean culture. That's what I intend to do now. Right. So, Sick. yeah, that, that, that's my... That, no, that's, that's levels that like you're, you're ripping your... <laughs> You're trying to promote your culture. You're representing it. You, you know what it is? You know what it is? It's just like, I love my dance. I love my soca. I grew up on that, all that. But I also love my Bollywood. I also love my chutney music. So why can't I promote that? You have a million DJs in the UK playing soca, playing dancehall, but you don't have no one representing my, my culture. Why, why is nobody representing my culture? You understand? And, and mm. it's a big part of the Caribbean, but no one knows about it. You understand? Yeah, so true, so I... I, I I, I, I'm going to promote my culture. Um, whether people like it or not, I've lost followers because I'm promoting Chutney Soka music on my, on, my, on my platform. So I've lost followers because of that. But I don't care. People follow me. You follow me. You follow me. It's up to you. I do stuff what I want to do and what I like. So, yeah, that's, that's my way forward. Yeah, and, and being true to yourself and like you said, doing something 100% that you're passionate about, not to... Uh appease other people but to do something that you exactly. want to do I think that's very important and you've just recently guest spotted haven't you on BBC's BBC Radio Asian Network right Asian Network yeah that's, that's well, like a really great oh, set so basically um, thank you thank you did you listen to it Mike I listened to it twice I actually played it well oh, I was wow. with my, my sister and niece and my niece was like I like this music. Tell Uncle Libby <laughs> I like it. And she's only two. And, oh, uh, Libby. Yeah. 
So mm. she she loved it, and yeah, I've been spreading the word. So you can actually still hear it on BBC Sounds, right? So yeah, basically BBC uh, BBC Asian Network was. I will call it a milestone in my music career. I promote it. By the way, this is the first time that Chutney Music has been on a, a big uh, station as the BBC, one of the biggest uh, network as the BBC. So for me, having that guest guest mix promoting my culture uh, for even hot, it was half an hour, it was a half an hour guest mix of them recognizing. This is Indo-Caribbean music. This is Chutney music. These people originate from India. This is their music. For people to actually recognize that, for me being a, um, a 14-year-old boy in Lister School, well, no one knows who the hell I am or what the hell I am. I don't even want to associate with me because I'm not part of their clique. To my mm. music being played on the BBC Asian network and everybody, how many listens did I have? From the moment I heard my mix on, on the radio, on BBC Asian network, I felt like that kid again when I heard my remixes on Attitude FM. That's so incredible. that was a major thing for me. Definitely. Yeah, and for my culture. I, I keep getting, I even get messages saying, say, I, I get messages from, from different Indo-Caribbean stores, roti shops and, and restaurants saying, yo, um, I can't believe I heard Chutney on, on, the, on the BBC. Like, that's amazing. Well done. And that makes me feel so proud to say, yo, like I did this for my culture, for my people, I, I did this. So yeah, don't get me wrong. I love my soca, I love my dancehall. And I've, I, I've been promoting that for like 10 years. I've been promote, promoting soca and, and dance for 10 years. But you know what? I feel it's time that I need to promote uh, other aspects of the Caribbean, which is Chutney Soca. So that's what I've done. That's what I'm going to continue to try and do. I'm still going to play my soca. I'm still going to play my dancehall, but I'm also going to include the Chutney in there as well. Props to you, man, because that's that's like a really big achievement to to get on that big of a platform, and you know, really, yeah. the, the way you speak so candidly about your culture and, and soca and chutney and everything that you know you grew up on is really inspiring. So, you know, I just hope a lot, you know, because there's not a lot of people having a great time because yeah. of the pandemic. So, but hopefully, hearing this, you know, will push them to like get into their passion whilst whilst you know it's that time to reflect this year, isn't it? So, or the past year, everyone's had that time to yeah. just, and you've, you've basically your prime example of what should have been done during a, tif- a difficult time. Mm. And um, yeah. hopefully, yeah, people can, can do the same. A hundred percent. It's all about, you know what it is, you know what triggered me? It's, it's literally people asking me where I'm from and they don't know about Indo-Caribbean people, you understand? And, mm. and, it, it's, it's just crazy how people don't understand like like about our history. So basically, I'm not sure if you guys, I know Michael does, I'm not sure if you, Jeff, understand about uh, how the Indo-Caribbean people came over and stuff like that. Yeah, no, like I know, I know a little bit because I've, I've obviously been following you and I know you mentioned, you mentioned on your Instagram that you guys um, came uh, as labourers to work on like sugarcane plantations. Right. Okay. But I mean, by all means, like let, so, give us a, a more detailed history on it. On your... so basically, the um, so uh, yeah, so uh, Africans were taken from Africa over to the Caribbean um, as slaves, and then um, when slavery was abolished, they got Indians from India, brought them over to the Caribbean as laborers. Um, they were paid. Uh, when I say paid, they wasn't paid very much. Uh, very little. So they were, they were, instead of slaves, instead of slaves, they were called laborers. So it was still under the same similar uh, conditions as slave as slaves, 
but they were paid. So they were class of laborers. And then obviously some of them just said, you know what, I'm going to stay here and started building a life for themselves. Um, and that's where the Indian Car- Indo-Caribbean uh, people came about. Um, the music wise. So um, when they were taken from India and coming over on the ships, they used to play the tabla and the Indian instruments. So that got incorporated in the Caribbean element. And that's where you get chanting music from. Um, the word, it actually originated from Suriname, uh, chutney music, but it wasn't labeled as chutney until it hit Trinidad. So the idea of chutney music was originated in Suriname, but then it was labeled in Trinidad uh, as chutney music. Oh. So, yeah. So that, that's the history of, of the music, the, the music background of Chutney music. So when you hear Chutney music, you're going to hear element of Calypso. You're going to hear element of Bollywood. You're going to hear element of Soka. So it's like everything combined. And not a lot of people know about that. That's one of the music genres that is not talked about enough, apart from Soka and the dance hall and the Zook. No, so that's great. because And it's so good to see as like you doing that, pioneering your culture. Yeah. Which is something that's like you said, it's this hasn't been done before the way you're doing it, and just keep pushing on with it because you also have your own events company um promoting chutney events or organizing your own as well, haven't you? Can you speak a bit about that? Yeah, so when was it? I think it about three years, three, four years ago now. I started uh well it was it didn't start start off as an event, it started off sorry, it started off as a single event of a one night only kind of thing where I said, you know what, we haven't had a, the, uh, my community, the Indo-Caribbean community hasn't, have, ha- hasn't had a chutney um, event in such a long time. It's been about five, six, seven years since we had a chutney event. So I thought, l- l- let me put one on. So I contact- contacted my boy who owned uh, a bar. Uh, so listen, I want to hold an event. It's not going to be much people. I'm going to make it cheap, charge five pounds. I don't want to kill people. So yeah, we did that. Yeah, so I said, listen, I'm going to charge five pounds. I'm going to make a, a little flyer. It's not going to be nothing big. I just want to promote my, my, my culture and, and give my community somewhere to go. They haven't been to a Chinese event in ages, so let's do something. He goes, all right, cool. No problem. Let's do it. Got a few of my friends that are DJs. For, all right, cool. Um, within the first week, uh, we sold out. We, we, we sold out. We, I had to turn people away at the door. Mad. I had to turn people away at the door. Um, I did. I had no idea it would have been so big. The event would have been so big. It, it, it was literally just something, something small, a little thing I threw together um, within a space of two weeks. And then I had to turn people away at the door. So it was crazy. And then I thought, you know what? I've got something here. So Chutney in London was a name of one event of that I did. So after that event, I thought, you know what? This is a brand. This is going to be my brand. So Chutney in London was my new brand. And every single event that I have now is called Chutney London. DJ Styles UK presents Chutney London and whatever the event's called. So my brand is Chutney London. And since then, since such a small event, done two, no, sorry, we've done one more after that. And then we started, we were becoming so big in the UK, we started bringing artists over. So we actually got one of the biggest artists called Ade Samaru, Michael knows him. He was one, he, he's a legend. In, in the chutney industry, in, in the music industry. When I say legend, he's up there. He's one of the biggest artists back in the day. So we, I contacted him, he came over and we had another sold out event. I contacted another legend, uh, a guy called Hitman. Uh, he came for the, the fifth event 
And the, the last event before lockdown was a guy called Randy Reckless, who absolutely mashed up the place. Um, he, he, he's a legend uh, back in, back in uh, Guyana. Um, so, yeah, he actually mashed up the place. He actually came. So Randy Reckless is a pioneer in the chutney industry. And he actually, he messaged me, he goes, you know what, Styles? I love what you're doing in London. I love the fact that you're promoting chutney music in London. I'm going to pay for my own ticket to come and perform at your event. Wow. imagine Mad. that imagine that an art like this guy he, he's established in, in the chutney industry he's well known his name's out there he says stars i'm gonna pay for my own ticket to come down and you know what i'm gonna bring two of my boys to perform as well he goes i'm gonna pay for my own accommodation just to support you just to come and support you and show you my love he done that bro he mashed up the whole place people are still talking about it today his performance you understand he's such a nice guy that the fact that he did that you understand? Because it's only me. It's only me sponsoring and putting on these events. I'm putting my own money into this. So the fact that he would do that is, is absolutely crazy. I can't even get people over here to support me as much as people overseas do. That was a big thing. And that and was so nice. That, that happened organically. It's something that wasn't even pushed. That positivity yeah. was just stemmed from somewhere that was unexpected. You from, from your passion, basically. Yeah, I, I met Randy, um, I think it was in Canada. I, I got hired to, to DJ out there and he was one of the performers. So I met him out there and that's how we get talking. And then we, yeah, we've been speaking for a few months and then he sees what I, do, what I did in London. So he said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to pay for my own ticket, my own plane, my own accommodation to, get, to come out there and support you. And he did, man. And I can never be thankful enough for him supporting me like that. And Chartney in London had become such a worldwide thing in the Indo-Caribbean scene that I have artists messaging me all the time. I'm literally backed up with artists for the next two, three years that want to come. So the next events. For, for, for events, yeah. So Chartney in London, I'm proud to say, is one of the biggest Indo-Caribbean events company in London. So, and so, now, now lockdowns are lifting and normality is hopefully resuming soon when's your next event when are you planning the next one so this is the this is the issue so we had we we had everything booked for july i think it was july 10th i believe yeah uh but the venue that we that we have um is actually closing down now so oh. we need to find another another event and this is the issue that we're having at the moment a lot of people a lot of places that, that, that i've contacted they are not booking anything until the restrictions. the full the full lift of the that, that's right yeah they're, they're not going to commit to anything they're not even putting any bookings in place until after the full lift because obviously yeah they said anything can happen i mean i have a few places in mind but it'll put my next event will probably probably be in september now september to september i normally have about two three months three months minimum promotion that i do for my events so, yeah so yeah but yeah, I, oh, I, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be probably September, October is the next chutney in London. And believe it or not, I have so many messages from people asking me when's the next event. So I know it's going to be a big event, the next event. I've even brought DJs down from 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 different countries, from from Canada, uh, to to perform. Uh, oh really? Oh Canada! Wow. Canada, yeah. So I have a very, very I have good friends over overseas, um, in the music industry, and they come down. That they bring me over there as well. So it's always back and forth. It's, it's quite, it's quite good, quite nice. I have, I have, I have something big in store for the next event. So maybe not next event, maybe next year. 
when everything's settled down properly, then I can put on something, something big that I want to do that I've been working on for quite a while. But yeah. Well, I look, for, I look forward to hearing about it and hopefully coming to you. You'll be there, man. Jeff, man. You need to come, bro. Yeah, I know. I do want to come. Check I do want to come. Getting with the Yens, get complimentary tickets, man. Hey. Apart from Michael. <laughs> um yeah no I'm, I'm excited for that I, I really do you know i hope probably hopefully can happen in like you never know what's going to happen so i yeah. understand some of the venues are a bit um reluctant a bit, yeah a bit hesitant to to give us dates and stuff so and that, that's not just with me like a lot of my friends in the music industry in the promotion side of things they they haven't got dates they haven't got events they haven't got venues because of yeah. the same thing so it's yeah, nice. they can't travel right if they're coming from like canada and yeah, no, I'm, I'm talking about uh, promoters, like people uh, that hold events and parties and stuff over here. Like, I think I'm I'm booked for like three events so far. And that's that's very minimum for me, to be honest with you. Three events I'm booked for so far for uh, July and August. But then again, we don't know what's going to happen. So we're saying, yeah, you're booked, you're, you're provisionally booked, but obviously you need to wait and see. So our last episode was with Jerome, a a good friend of the podcast, he, we were talking about mental health. Um, how have you coped someone who is, whose job is such, well, hobby and love is such a social thing and in spaces where you have people and you haven't been able to do it. Can you tell us how you've managed to cope with that? What have you been doing to keep yourself motivated and keep the positivity up? Keep the drive keep up the drive, drive what, for my passion for music he's talking about yeah so at times where you haven't been able to organize the events what have you been doing to keep yourself motivated and keep you know, pushing on yeah you know what um i i think this break for for me is well for me personally i'm not obviously i'm not talking about everybody else me personally i think it is it's quite it's quite a good break i can stop think and focus on what i want to do you understand, and, and, and what, what I want to achieve in the future. So, so what, what have I been doing? I've been networking. I've been networking. I've been talking to different people. I've been, um, I've been, I've been literally speaking to new DJs, uh, new artists, uh, new promoters. Just seeing, all right, what, where do I fit in in 2021? Where do I want to go? Which direction I want to go in? And I decided, yeah, I want to work more on my. Chutney in London, my, my events company, me, rather than me DJing on radio and <laughs> me DJing out in public, I want to hold, I, I want to push forward my, the Chutney in London, the brand. I want to make it bigger than what it is. I want to take it abroad. You know what I'm saying? I, I want to take it to different countries. I want to take it to, to Canada. I want to take it to New York. I want to take it to um, Holland. Like Holland has a big Chutney community. I want to take it over there. So I'm in the process right now of literally making the contacts, uh, networking, and trying to and trying to do that. So I, even though I haven't been busy DJing, um, I've been busy doing other aspects of promoting my brand. Yeah, that's 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 it really. And going to the gym as well. I've been going to the gym quite a lot. I, I think I think me and Michael are, are on a similar path to be honest with you because we're both into this health kind of thing now i guess mike right health and fitness health and fitness um Michael, Michael has recently discovered a love for rock climbing i've recently discovered a love for the gym um and we've tried other stuff i've tried rock climbing i think michael loves it a bit more than i do i do like it we, we, we all went boxing so we're trying we're, we're, we're on the same page when it comes to fitness uh which is quite a good thing so i think that helps a lot uh with the whole lockdown thing and, and the whole and the whole yeah 
So I thought, you know what? I need to prioritize my gym and my work and my daughter as well. So that's what I did. Talking about fatherhood. So you mentioned your, you, you have a daughter. Yes. Um, Ari. Yes. He's, I'm her favorite uncle. Anyway, yeah, she she always talks about about you, Uncle Mike. He's she, what she said about you. She goes, "Oh, he's 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 the guy that dances funny. He, he's a funny dancer." <laughs> anyone knows Mike? Anyone that knows Mike? Mike will just bust out in some kind of mad dance move or some some crap. So so he yeah. How has that? How has fatherhood changed your outlook and goals in life? You know what. <sighs> My daughter's five years old and my, the reason why I started pushing myself more within music, within, within, within fitness and, and with, within everything I do, the reason why I've literally, I moved up a level is because of her. I want her to be proud of me as her dad. I want her to say, yo, that's my dad. Like when she's older, yeah, that's my dad. You understand? Like how I was with my dad as well. Like I was proud to call him my dad because of what he's achieved. I want my daughter to see that. Uh, within me so me me pushing forward and putting that extra 120 50 whatever percent it is i'm gonna do that so my daughter i can see one day my daughter say yo i'm proud of my dad you know so i want to i want her to see what what a real man can do i'm sure that's with everybody as well like that you you wouldn't want your daughter to end up with a bum you get me? So mm-hmm. I want my daughter to grow up saying, yo, oh, my, my, my dad's passionate about what he does. He puts in the, the hard work and got results. So I, everything I do now is for my daughter, to, for her to grow up uh, being proud of me. And that's, that's what I want. I think that's what every dad uh, secretly wants with, 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 with their children. So, yeah. Well, that's beautiful. Do you, do you feel the same, Jeff? I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah, definitely. I definitely share the same sentiment. And that's the reason why, you know, Again, like like Kriya says, I'm trying to work on my health and fitness. I've gone, you know, tried to go for that vegan. Um, I'm trying to go vegan. Even. So how, how old are you, Jeff? Uh, 30. 30. So it's so important, especially especially now, to, to, to literally look after yourself in what you do. Yeah. yeah we were, I used to smoke. I used to drink crazy. I used to party all the time. But now, you know what? You need to think about your future and think about your kids. Uh, yeah, not that you, I'm not saying that you don't. I'm just saying, like in general, that people need to think about their future and moving forward because you're not going to be here forever. My dad died at what 63, four. You understand? So, mm. so I want to be around a long time for my for my kids. Yeah, the same same exact thought that I have. Yeah. So you know, this is yes, yeah, definitely important. And you know, and just to keep yourself busy and. Yeah, and push man. yourself just so you don't remain stagnant in what you do. So, I believe in making your own, your own progress, your own goals, and 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 striving for it, man. And I definitely think that you guys have potential with this podcast to go that way. You just got to keep pushing it and uh, keep keep focusing. Amazing, amazing. What about you, Mike? I must, I must say, you know what, Mike has really, really uh, encouraged me and and motivated me to do better within my fitness as well. Even though he he did admit that he ate a whole load of crap this week, right, Mike? Yeah, um, yeah. I think we started when when did we start this fitness thing? I think it was in when lockdown lifted about twelfth of April, right? Yeah, Michael be motivated me literally to to eat better, um, to get to do better, get my ass to the gym and stuff like that. So yeah, that's one thing that I I will say that Mike's kind of pushed me and um, motivated me to do is like get the steps in man because during lockdown well the main part of lockdown from like May to 
to what September, I was a bum. I was kind of like a bum because obviously I was still working from home. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I wasn't like, I was getting sucked into work and I was forgetting, you know what, I need that fresh air. I need to be more active and go outside and get, get that vitamin D and get the steps in. So, because this, this boy, man, he, he walks, how much you walking now, Mike, on average? Bro. Um, 100,000 steps a day 500 miles <laughs> um, No but do you know And that's one thing about it Especially you two with pet, like kids I definitely I was saying to Because me and Rhi went um, Swimming today And I said to Riaz That we went to this Leisure centre Where I I haven't been for 25 years 26 maybe And My times with like Especially with your parents I think it's so important that No matter what you, you don't need to spend £100 to take your kids to the cinema or go to a theme park to actually have a day out. They'll be happy enough for you to take them for a walk. And the fact that you're yeah. doing that stuff as well is great as well, like going along the doing your 10K steps and re you. You know, no, I'm not going to lie, right? The first, you know, the first time I ever walked so much in my life was, <laughs> was literally, when was it? In, in April, in April with Michael. So basically, we was going to walk from my house, which is in Plasto, to... St. Paul's Cathedral, right? Yeah. Yeah. And originally, it was supposed to be a six-mile walk, I believe. But Michael decided, oh, we've got to go to Scenic Route, which took us about 11 miles. Yeah. 11 miles walking. Um, and that is the longest I've ever walked in my whole entire life. Uh, you know what I say? Like, because I, I never knew, because I, I remember this. I remember seeing you on your stories. Um, and you went through, like, three meals and stuff. Yeah, because I before before lockdown, I'd never really walked down Greenway. Because I I remember like growing up, people used to say like Greenway is like dangerous, right? Dangerous, yeah. yeah you're gonna get, either get like you're gonna see like all the druggies there, or you're gonna get mugged or something. And then obviously it's like it's kind of they've they did like a little um, revamp on it like during what was it a couple of years back? They kind of fixed it up a little bit. But like now, everyone obviously with East London kind of being gentrified, like a lot of people go down there now. Yeah. So obviously it's a lot more public. Um, but it's actually when you go when you go down there because of Olympic Park, and you know going towards like Victoria and Hackney, Victoria Park and Hackney, it's actually a really nice walk. It's a peaceful walk. It is, it is definitely hundred percent. And then that that little cut bit where you you know when you're going towards Three Mills is really nice. The little um. It gets into the little wood woodland bit. I, I I literally saw and discover stuff that I, I never knew existed. You know exactly. Yeah. Same. same when, when you walk, you, you think like, "Wow, I didn't even know this was here." This is like history and London, such such a historical place. Um, I love history and going on these walks, you 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 find so much stuff, man. And Michael's a very very amazing tour guide. I must I must give, give him that. <laughs> He's like a fucking curator. He is a museum. You know what, like... <laughs> And he is no seriously like he was on um, the embank. We were not even. But Mike, Mike, if you ever want a career change, I, I say tour, uh, be a tourist guide, man. Hundred percent, bro. I, I can imagine you on the bus on on the on the open top buses. Yeah, I can. I can actually imagine Mike doing that as well. Whilst we're talking about London, so look, let's let's actually delve into DJ Styles UK's London uh, spots for oh, wow. for certain activities. Yeah. Okay. So, like for the first one, I mean, you've already mentioned like the walks that you've been on, yeah. and like the the scenic routes that you've taken that might show you. Is there like a a place in London where you suggest our listeners to go to relax and just you know enjoy what? the scene? I, I, I'm so bad with names. Like Michael knows, I'm so bad with names of places and directions. So even if I wanted to tell you, I couldn't. <laughs> 
I couldn't even remember the names of it myself. I know how to get there, but I couldn't remember the names of it myself. So, yeah, I'm very bad. Anyone who knows me, though, I'm very, very bad with directions and names of places. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many places in London. I mean, I, I, the first time I've been, where was it, Mike? We went to uh, the docks with the boats and stuff. Where, where, remember where me, you, and Isha went? That's St. Catherine's Dock. That's it. That's the first time I've ever been there. Believe it or not, I've lived in East London for all my life. That's the first time I've been there. And I thought that place was absolutely amazing. And I Is do... it quite is it quite relaxing and like quite peaceful in that area? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was lockdown, so we were just walking around. So I definitely want to go back when everything opens back up. Uh, I love the water. I love anything near water. I love it. So yeah, that 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 place looks amazing and I definitely want to check it, check it out when everywhere opens back up. So what's it called, Michael, again? I forgot. St. Catherine's Docks. Yeah, so there's really nice restaurants around there. Probably everyone, everyone probably knows about these places and they're probably thinking, yo, no, so... I, well, I haven't heard about it. So I might, <laughs> Not really. I might go walk okay, there. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'm just worried that people might think, yo, I've been there like 10 million times, Rooks. So like, how how do you know, know about this place? But yeah, it's the first time I've discovered it. So yeah, no, we definitely got to go. We'll go. Yes, sure. man, definitely. And another thing, I want to try new foods. I, I want to try different foods. I want to try different restaurants. Um, that's another um, thing I want to try. Uh, but do but, you have like a do you have like a place where it's your staple? Like you'll never get tired of going there to eat or taking away. <laughs> everyone, anyone, anyone that knows me knows that um, I love kebabs. So <laughs> I, I've literally, and I'm not talking about like the nice, the nice fancy kebabs. I'm talking about the, the proper greasy kebab. You can find me in any kebab shop. To be honest with you. <laughs> I've probably tried most of them and most of them know me by name. This is, a, this, this, is this thing I want to do. I, I literally, like, on my, I normally have a cheat day once a, once a week. So I want to try literally different kebab shops that I haven't tried. So I want to go to different places. Mm. I'm, I've yet to find a, a vegan kebab place. I know there's, like, vegan, like, ready-made meal, like, ready-made kebab that I can buy from, like, Sainsbury's and stuff. No, but that, that, that tastes like shit, though, isn't it? Like, you need to, you need to get it fresh, like, yeah, there might be some places that do it. It's called you know? Vibab, I, haven't, it? I haven't looked because that's one of the things like, I haven't actually been. Huh? Vibab, that's the name of it. Vegan. Vibab. Yeah. Well, have you had one? No, nah, man. But I that's I've googled it and it's a thing. But but does it like if if you eat stuff that is replicating meat, ain't that got more chemicals and more stuff in it? It's still no. Well, I feel like we have chemicals, but the the meme of him eating popcorn in thriller that we're listening to you two talk about this. Come on, round one, fight! (laughs) No, 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 no. But I'm saying like, like you you get vegan chicken nuggets now, don't you? Like the the amount of chemicals and the amount of stuff they put in it to make it into a chicken nugget. Because they they use things like um, seitan, which is basically just bean curds and like say stuff like tofu and. Um, tempeh these are like all these natural ingredients that that you basically mix together you kind of had to it's kind of like dough you knead it together and then when you cook it the texture becomes like almost kind of like chicken or meat but it's not they do it as not as a meat replacement they do it for texture just so you have bite because obviously we're not we're not just going to eat like soup and and Bloody branches and grass. <laughs> like we have to eat something. We have to eat something that actually is substantial to our. You know, when we're eating, we have to be full up and stuff. My my girlfriend's on that um Dr. Sebi diet. Well, she was. I don't know about now, but she was eating pure like what was it? Just fruit and vegetables that's not been cooked. Oh, that's like that's like a is it Whole Foods? 
plant-based whole foods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like prop. Nah, I'm not. I'm not at that level yet, man. That's that's like proper, like strict, like no oil, no fat, no nothing. But do you, you know what I think? What what was a genius idea um, that they made that I think tastes absolutely amazing? What's that? Sausage rolls and Greg, the vegan sausage rolls. Greg, I've have you tried it? Bro, it's bagging. It it's it, it. You don't tell the difference, really. Yeah, have you tried it? Yeah, I've tried it. I've tried both that and this the vegan steak bake and um, their donuts as well. They've made their original glazed donuts vegan, and it's basically oh, really? like it's I'm not gonna try it. it's not a crispy. I wouldn't compare it to crispy keen, but it's close enough. But wow. yeah, it's nice. The sausage roll, the vegan sausage roll, is banging. I do like mm. it. I used to eat pork. I don't eat pork now, but I used to eat pork. And yeah, I think it's it's the closest thing to. I mean, it's not exact, but it's the closest thing. So, yes, yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. it's quite nice. The the vegan sausage roll. My um, mouth is dripping right now. He's hungry. Oh my god! I'm have sorry. you tried a sausage roll, Mike? No. no have you ever tried? Have you ever tried vegan stuff though? Apart from you, Rias, sorry. Mike, have you ever tried vegan Sam, stuff? Sam makes, like, yeah, yeah. I've had like Linda McCartney sausages and stuff. Is that vegan? That ain't vegan though, is it? No, I think That's they're just vegetarian. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about like... Have you tried, the, have you tried the, the, the vegan Whopper burger at Burger King? No. That was banging as well. They had um, they have a vegan chicken royale as well. It basically oh. tastes like the, the real real chicken royale. I might have to get a takeaway in a minute, you know. I think, uh... <laughs> Mike, you want to come out and have a takeaway? <laughs> it's making me hungry now. Where was your favourite place to go clubbing? Or like you've done a lot of it. I remember the times. But, um... You know what? My favourite place to go clubbing. It's not what you think. It's not the big fancy clubs in West End and stuff like that. Um, my favourite places are unknown places. Like literally, uh, when I first started DJing out in public, was in a, a, a hole in in like uh, in Dalston. Um, it was literally. You walk in, you go down a flight of stairs, a deep flight of stairs, and it's like a basement party um, where people are just smoking, drinking, and yeah, that, that's the kind of parties I like. I don't like the big, the big fancy uh, twenty pound for a drink parties. No, I, I, I like the more house party kind of vibes, most the more house party kind of full parties. That's me. Yeah. What's so when everything's back to normal? What's what's the one thing you want to do in London? What's the one thing I want to do in London? I I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. One thing I want to do, I mean, me and you spoke about a few things that uh, sports-wise, fitness-wise, definitely want to go kayaking. Um, Want to make that a regular thing. Um, I want to do more sporty stuff, to be honest with you. Would you ever try wakeboarding? Wakeboarding? Is that when you're getting pulled? That's the one in the docks. Yeah, it's the one... So believe it or not, believe it or not, when I was in South Carolina, I was I was a young guy. I was literally about 12, 13. I'd done something like that, but a boat is pulling you along. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so you've got a board and then you're standing on a board and it's like it's, it's like skiing, but on a board, right? Yeah, basic. Not yeah. skiing. Uh what's yeah. So yeah, okay. I've done that already when I was younger. I I loved it. I was like, yeah. So I definitely want to do more sporty uh fitness kind of stuff when everything open, open back up uh as i said i do want to try different restaurants i want to eat at different places try new things um yeah yeah that's that, 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 that's that's my aim when everything opens up and obviously um promote my brand chutney in london a bit more um in other ways uh abroad as well uh so yeah Thank you, Reef, for taking the time out 
it's been great to speak to you for the second time, but to see how the year's been developing for you as well. So we're, we're definitely going to have you on in the future to see where you're at and see how Charlie and London has evolved. I'll, I'll be also doing a lot of stuff abroad uh, when it comes to DJing and guest mix and stuff like that. So look out for that. Um, yeah, yeah. So definitely a lot of stuff abroad, promoting my culture, promoting promoting Charlie music uh, and Soka and UK music abroad as well. So yeah, keep a lookout for that. Where can our listeners find you on socials? I am on Instagram, which is at DJ Styles UK, DJ S-T-Y-L-Z UK. And that's it, really. I mean, I'm on SoundCloud, SoundCloud as well, DJ Styles UK, Mixcloud, DJ Styles UK, Facebook. Um, I'm not really on that, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> um, Spotify as well, DJ Styles UK, everything DJ Styles UK. Type in DJ Styles UK on, on Google and you'll find me. And how do we, because we can listen to your your set that you did on a BBC Asian network. How do we get on? That's all over social media as well. That's on Mixcloud, Soundcloud, YouTube, YouTube as well, DJ Styles UK, my uh, Instagram as well. So yeah, you can find that on all my social media. Any Anything that I do radio-wise or music-wise or remixes um, is all on my social media. So you, you it won't be hard for you to find anything that I do. Cool. Sick. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you, Ree, for taking the time out. Um, I hope you both have a great week ahead. And until next time, um, it's been Mike and Jeff on Begin With The Ends.